Fernanda, Alisa, thank you so much for joining us virtually again. Um, I think this has been the third time uh, we've been together this way on Zoom for uh, for Thornhill Theatre Space in the past year. So uh, thanks for being back again. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's great to be back. <laughs> awesome. So we just want to thank all our viewers for joining us today as we do celebrate one year uh, of Thornhill Theatre Space. Uh, today we're just going to be sitting down to have a very informal chat, uh, a bit of a catch-up, and recap the last year, what we've been up to, and talk about the Couch Readings premiere that launched Thornhill Theatre Space and put it on the map. first episode was um, a play called Hold'em by Alex Brune, an Australian playwright. And that was the first, you know, the night that Thornhill Theatre Space launched, we sat down and we did that reading twice, because if we remember correctly, the first time it, China internet was not on our side. So we had to come back, I think it was what, the next night or the night after that, and do it again. And it went off without a hitch. So. That was good. Um, it was the first one. I believe it's still the most high or the highest viewed couch reading episode that we have on Facebook. Um, so that's exciting. Um, but what was it like to sit down and kind of do a reading like that virtually? Because well, it was the first time both of you had done it, right? Yeah, definitely. It kind of just opened up. I think we'd all kind of just been thrust into this COVID world and doing readings online wasn't even a thing thought about like you know in the theater process or the rehearsal process or it was nothing that i'd really experienced fernanda you'd probably be the same yeah apart from like the first like table read that you do once you get you know cast it's not something that's practiced quite readily it's like a scene by scene or moment by moment so it was a different way of um I go attacking something and just having a go so it was a little intimidating at first but a lot of fun as well because you had like all bets were off pardon the pun right exactly I mean like I, I guess I'll say this to you guys and probably you know to the first of many people we're kind of rethinking of uh, maybe another season of couch readings and what did you guys think as being the actors? Did you think that the, the, the concept behind the, uh, the live stream, do you think it was something that was beneficial for playwrights to, to have an opportunity to do something like that and, and you know, get it read? I, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, it's also that little bit of improvisation that as actors you learn, that's the first, one of the first activities you do in, you know, an acting class when you're young or a drama class or something like that is like the art of improvisation. A table read in its first kind of stages is about finding your feet with the character. So having that opportunity to investigate that character for the first time, improvise and do it all live stream, you know, just in like straight off the bat is actually a really fun kind of opportunity. It's a kind of beautiful unrehearsed version of theatre that we don't quite have so much of these days. Right, and it's a lot, there's a lot, it's, it's really low stress and kind of, that's kind of what I felt with it as well. It was just like we were just a bunch of theatre practitioners who sat down and just had a good time, you know, reading some fun stories and, and that's what I kind of hope everybody kind of got from it. So, um, so yeah, you guys, did another episode later in the season, um, failed Bechtel test, um, 
which was written by Pedro Diegas. And um, yeah, so you got to come back again and, and be part of the series and, and read something that was like, really quite different from, from the first one. Um, did being in it the first time make you more comfortable and more you know, with it and, and relaxed with the second time that you guys did it? Well, we're more comfortable with the format. And I guess the other, the other part of it was part of the improvisation. We had another element of, well, computer glitches and audio issues and things like that. So we were a bit more comfortable with, well, if it stops recording, it stops recording. Or if there's a glitch, there's a glitch. So um, definitely made it a little bit easier coming in the second time. Well, let me tell you, this, this probably my favorite was being on these live streams with you two because you guys would pick up when China internet was not working very well for me. And you guys would just kind of spin off and continue talking, which really helped, you know, kind of keep the flow of things go because eventually I would be able to pop back in and, you know, join in the conversation. But it was really nice to have you guys there to kind of, you knew where we were going with the whole, you know, episode and you, you kind of just were able to spitball and continue the conversation, which was really great um, when things technically don't go right. Oh, what, well, me and Fernanda? Look at us. We can, we can talk underwater. Give us technical glitches, left, right, and center. We'll be fine. Absolutely. We'll entertain your audience, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And there was another quite big difference between the two, the two uh, plays that you guys read. The first one was quite lengthy, and the second one was significantly shorter. Um, I feel like I quite liked getting the, the as, as the host and kind of pushing the, the conversation on what to talk about, I felt like I liked the shorter ones better because it gave you guys more time at the end to kind of really talk about it. Um, by the end of that really long winded one that you guys did at the beginning, you both were tired and, you know, it was kind of hard to keep pushing conversation. So how did you guys feel about that? You know, the longer one versus the shorter one. I thought they were both okay. I think there was a lot of novelty towards the first one. So no matter how long it was, and I think, Fernanda, I think you had a lot of huge chunks of like monologue through it. Um, I think the novelty of it just kept us going, which was great. Um, I think possibly if we're going to like keep doing kind of like libraries like this, where, you know, we want a little bit more interaction from the community, then I reckon that, you know, we keep it short and keep it you know adaptable something that people understand and you know something that's relevant life-wise that you know people can jump on and you know really resonate with but um otherwise i think the link i mean the thing, here, another I, uh, direction that i'm kind of want to maybe take this next season if i do it is and, and i have a friend that we've both worked with i'm not going to name any names or anything but he's writing a musical and i've gotten a couple of the drafts um uh, it's an australian musical um and I think I want to read the whole thing through a few times and kind of pick a really good chunk and make that chunk of it part. Because I think that's beneficial too. You don't always necessarily need to read the whole story. Being able to sit down and maybe find a part in the script that is not working for you as a playwright or when you have it on its feet with an actor's, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. Let's give that part of it a little bit more attention. So that, that's kind of another direction. And I mean, and those kind of little snippets is kind of what actors get when they go into the audition room. They get one scene, they get a couple of scenes they need to play out and fill around with, you know, the other actors. And that's where a director is determining whether there's chemistry or determining whether their interpretation of the character is correct. And I think something small like that, having that small snippet out really does give the, the 
writer, the director, you know, a real good opportunity to sense out the vibe of how it's going to be. Another thing that I've always kind of kept in the back of my mind when I was doing this is what benefit can I give the actors? And it always kind of stuck with me that was like, they can take those snippets and that's perfect for show reels. That's perfect for, you know, things like that. Because we do, you guys can attest to this, all of me and the actors, we would sit down and rehearse one rehearsal before the reading to kind of talk through it and kind of get an understanding of it. So, you know, it's not something that you got that actors are doing for the first time. It is slightly rehearsed, so you can use it as a reference, give it a, a link to your casting director or whatever to be able to get them to just see a variety of different things that you've done, which I think would be <laughs> beneficial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, we've been, me and Elisa have been in a, a, a couple of musicals and even some of the newer ones, we always go, this scene just doesn't feel right. Like there's just something missing. So even for a new musical that's coming through, having a look at, you know, those little sticky scenes, how you said, is just like perfect for a playwright. And um, to really then go, okay, well, if this isn't necessarily clicking, let's see how the actors feel. Let's talk it over in the table. So it gives another level of, I guess, um, creativity to the scene to make it actually work for the audience as well. And I mean, it's fun. It's relaxed. It's chill. We're all sitting at home. Why not, you know, take those... Uh, you know, extra couple minutes and, and a half hours in the evenings and sit down and just pop on our phone and do a reading. You know, it's not something that needs to stop once once everything starts getting back to normal. It is something that we can still kind of do and it can be like a book club, you know what I mean? Everybody does book club, you know what I mean? It can be stuff like that that still continues on, which I think um, is is really great. So I hope to continue uh, doing stuff like that and and and, th and yeah pushing forward and seeing what we can do. It was a really wonderful experience to do something mid-COVID and it did kind of bring that little bit of a glimmer of hope that theatre would come back. And so now that theatre is back, I think we should still keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. Over the past, you know, year back there in Australia, what, you know, what were you doing to, to keep busy? What were you doing to keep yourself sane? Was, was the, you know, what was the situation like there uh, as opposed to like kind of other places? <laughs> Um, I guess it was, it was like, it was great having the couch reading and the fact that I guess community theatre in particular um, really um, captured and tried to put things on as virtually as possible. Um, we had um, some drive-in uh, uh, entertainment where performers would go on stage and, you know, we'd like people would hire out the drive-ins and sit in their cars and, and listen through their radios. Um, so I think people got really creative in the space, which was really nice because the arts keeps us moving kind of thing. So, um, and then I guess Australia was fortunate that come mid last year, um, our professional production started to, to ramp up again. So we got to see the likes of Frozen, um, Pippin come back. Um, now we've got Hamilton opening, well, just opened a week ago. So I feel um, that things are, are starting to feel relatively normal again. I mean, wearing a mask inside a theatre was, that was a very weird experience for a while, especially when you're trying to like, woo and clap and Absolutely, yeah. you know, 
but um you know it's what you did to keep safe and keep other people safe and and at least we had the opportunity to see live theater throughout the last six months so it's been we've been very fortunate here in australia well i've kind of noticed that right you know kind of paying attention as i do with you know what's going on in the theater community in the different parts of the world i've noticed that it's it's kind of been the same australia and the west end have kind of been the same or, or the uk is they have these times where they're, they did have a couple of weeks where things could open up and then it closed back down and then you'd open it back up again. But the difference from Broadway is it's been shut since. And the only yeah. thing that's happened is some virtual, um, you know, productions or, 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 you know, reunions and stuff like that. That's what's been keeping Broadway alive. So that hasn't really been a thing, you know, here. Um, yeah. Whereas you guys were, and I don't really know what I think. What I, I would prefer. Sometimes I feel like I prefer just a total shutdown where I'm not getting my hopes up. I know in the UK, at least, there were a lot of shows that were really devastated by these restrictions yeah. where they could go back and then closures again. It just kind of really seemed to take a toll on on the company. Yeah, and look, that's and that's kind of, I guess, community theatre in the last 12 months has really been hit by that. So, you know, um, me and Elisa were part of um, Beautiful the Musical and yep. We were delayed from October to April, April to October again, and then they've just decided to cancel it. And um, they, the beauty of it was is that the show was pretty much finished. We were two weeks away from putting it on. on. And um, it was actually picked up by another company, Blackout um, Theatre Group, So, um, which is really great. I mean, I feel pregnant in that time. So I unfortunately will probably be giving birth at the time that they open. Um, so I, ha I get to miss out, but for the, you know, the leads and, and other ensemble members that work their butts off to get it on stage, at least they're going to be rewarded with that. So Absolutely. it's been a bit, it's very disheartening for a lot of companies who go through the audition process, put something on, and then they're just hoping that they can get it to the stage and then it just doesn't get there. Right. Um, yeah, I mean that we've been kind of, even over the span of couch readings and, and my, my running of Thornhill Theatre Space have been following, you know, beautiful quite quite closely over its jumps and hurdles that it's made. But I'm really glad to see that because um, I was speaking with Elisa before and she was telling me that, you know, a new company picked it up and stuff. And that is the beauty of Australian theatre. You know, it's nice to go to the Hayes and the big ones in the city and stuff. But the heart of Australian theatre is the com community theatre. Yeah. Every suburb has one. And they're a dedicated group of people with a, a really great ensemble of, of practitioners. And I, when I was there, that was just so heartening, you know, to notice that, that that's, you know, how you guys are there. And it's really great because it gives you guys the opportunity to kind of be involved in a bunch of different stuff where yeah. very few and far between here, I would say, compared to what you guys have. So I'm glad it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I just closed Susical with Camden Musical Society. Um, that was difficult, jumping around at 34 right. weeks pregnant. But um, it was the feeling, the feeling to be on stage again, to Absolutely. look out and see that audience. It was priceless. I don't think I've felt that way since my first musical theatre production. Right. Like it was, right. it was like starting again. It was really lovely. Like everyone's first time all over again, really. Yeah. It yeah. really was. It really was. And the fact that, you know a week before or two weeks before um our uh, not prime minister our premier our state premier announced that 30 people could sing in one space and literally the whole production team had learned 
you know, only five people were allowed to sing this number and five people were this. And then in the last like week and a half, we had to learn all the numbers so that we could help out those five people. It was yep. a mad scramble, but it's, you know, it's, it kept us on our toes. And I think that's what Absolutely. community theatre does for a lot of people. It breaks the monotony of life and it gives you that kind of space to be creative and, right. Right. and work with what you got. Well, you got to be on your toes. You know, it's theatre, mm. you know you got to, you know, roll with the punches and see what happens. Um, now you mentioned there before about uh, Frozen and Pippin coming back and then, and then Hamilton. What was it that you um, took in? What, what kind of theater, whether it be live or digitally over the past year that you really like enjoyed or, or got to experience, um, like I said, digitally or live? Yeah. So I think the couch readings were great, uh, obviously. Um, and it was good because they were kind of worldwide. So it wasn't like I was just watching Australian people or people that I knew. It was like really I've, like people that I've never heard of that was super talented and you got to see them in that real raw form, which was really nice. Um, uh, uh, Blue Mountains Group did amazing concerts. They did. Um, oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah just spectacular and then the, the the conversations that happen in between not just the not just the actual uh song that they would sing but then the commentary in between and you know hearing other people going through the same struggles that Absolutely. you and your companies have been going through was just really heartwarming and it was so professionally done and amazing so blue mountains um they they were awesome in this period um also, just the creativity, just on Facebook as well, like um, uh, Campbelltown Theatre Group, they did some really lovely, like, um, interviews with just one person, you know, talking about what inspired you to go into musical theatre and things like that. So, it was just nice hearing the back of house stuff as well, like, looking right. at, yeah, yeah. It's stuff you so, don't normally get. It's stuff you don't, it, you, everything that we've kind of been doing has kind of exploded theatre to a point where we're just seeing so much more yeah. of it. You know what I mean? We've this, The circle around theater has gotten bigger and bigger that it's allowing us to do these interviews with them afterwards. Yeah. Make it a podcast and, or throw it on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. absolutely. And look, I think the, the back of house stuff, I'm, I'm really passionate about, you know, staging and costuming and things like that. And even new little groups started coming out and looking at costuming and the history of costuming and looking at a particular um, show. And, and, how, and I can't for the life of me remember the Facebook page and I'm really disappointed, but looking at a show and saying how the costumes affect the, right. the themes and things like that. It's just beautiful that you could see that side so if you're not a performer it doesn't matter like there's other things in theater that can cater to you and you'll absolutely yeah it's really great to kind of see the way that we've kind of used what we could social media really to kind of connect and, and do stuff like that facebook groups and wechat or uh, whatsapp groups are happening now and and you know yeah. what I mean? just we've really taken this opportunity to kind of um use what we had to kind of really push the boundaries and see what we could we could use yeah. them really great so when uh when you did the reading for for hold'em uh, the first one that we did there um your character had some really chunky um bits of bits of dialogue um, it was a lot of some flashbacks um a lot of um explaining situations and things can you tell me what it was like for you in this specific situation with um the online digital version, us having a, a slight rehearsal beforehand. How was it for you to navigate through 
through those little chunky bits of dialogue? Oh, um, it was hard because I guess when you have those big chunks and you put it to stage, you have a lot of time to work through that. Yeah. You get a rhythm, you break it up. You, instead of going sentence for sentence, you could potentially break a sentence in half, put a pause in and, and add movement. And that's how I generally remember right. lines. I add movement. And so to sit and to deliver was really, really difficult because then I would try to add movement and then I'd be like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I have to go back and you could lose your spot. And so it was really tricky to navigate keeping connection with the audience and really giving a character a personality, but as well being true to the playwright's words and making sure that it comes across. Um, to this day, I know one of those monologues pretty, well, not off by heart, but if I start, I, re I reckon I could stumble my way through it, in particular where they're talking about the river and the different kind of categories and things like that. I think I learned more about uh, Texas, uh, Texas Hold'em from that experience than actually from playing it. So all the terminology and the names of the cards and things like that. So they're all stuck in my brain. But yeah, it was for me, it was really difficult to navigate those chunks of monologue without the movement by sitting right. stagnant but the rehearsal did help so if i had if i had been given that as a cold read i think the intimidation would have been whew, absolutely through the roof. well i remember and, in the yeah. rehearsals and especially because we have that little mishap which gave us kind of a little bit more of a more of a time we did kind of start to try and work on what we could do between the two of you on you know this digital sphere to be able to kind of keep you in a rhythm to keep you going. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to work with that and then try different, different things that we could do to try and, you know, keep it going so that it would, because that helps too, you know, when you're trying to remember yeah. things, if you're in a good pace and, but it is hard to do. in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was the difference, I guess, like in between um, Hold'em and oh, what the, what was the test called? Failed Bechdel test. Thank you. Um, <coughs> Because I think we were a little bit more prepared. And so we had props, we had us costuming, we were like really like, okay, let's just, let's just creatively take this and, and work with it. Um, whereas with Hold'em, it was a bit more raw and it was a bit more like, well, let's just have a go and see what happens. Um, so they're the, that's the biggest difference between the two, I feel. Um, but I liked both. I liked the fact that we just went in cold read. It's good practice for me because cold reads are very intimidating for me as, a, as an actress um, or an actor. But um, the, um, the, the preparation and the creativity that we had for the second one kind of gave us a little bit more of a breather and a different aspect as well to work on, which was really cool. Well, what was nice about that was the first one that we did was, was it was my first, I mean, I had never even like jumped on or did a YouTube video or did like a Facebook live or anything personally before that. So it was my first time jumping on, you know, and hosting something and kind of leading a conversation on something. So it was all still very, it was all very new for me at that point, but it was nice to come back later in the season and have a bit of um, knowledge and understanding, a little bit more comfortability with doing the whole thing and then be able to have friends back again where we could be very comfortable with each other to kind of push more, with it with the costuming and props and things like that yeah. which we've done in a lot of them mm. we were just in that lucky you know situation that we're we're friends we we, we don't yeah you know, there's no there's no comfortability barriers so we were able to play and have fun with it which was really great to kind of end out toward the end of that season um 
but yeah, it was just fun. It was great, you know, and, and I like to think of that in my other digital projects that I do. Just, I don't want no stress. I don't want it to be something that consumes a lot of people's time. I just want it to be fun. I want to read good stories, sing good songs. And you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what this is all about. Yeah. It's, it, it's what we need to be, you know, continuing to do. So, but yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I think it just opens up the world to, to opportunities that instead of putting it necessarily on stage and have the audience stare straight back at you, you have a little bit more of an, an anonymity, I guess. And, and you can experiment and see if this is for you or if, or maybe not so much. And, you know, um, it protects the, it protects you a little bit, I think. And I've been saying this a lot. And I said it in the last interview that I did for my uh, new musical Monday series this past uh, week. I, and I said it flat out to both of them. I was like, I am not stopping this once theaters get back because I, I sometimes it can scare me that theaters are going to go back and people are going to lose interest in stuff like this. But at the same time, it's exciting for me because I need to be the, the person that's really trying to think outside the box to still make this exciting and something, yeah. make it something that's relevant and needs to continue happening. So I'm excited yeah. to kind of navigate that world as well once things do start going back to semi-normal yeah. in the majority of the world. Um, and it's just connect. Let's just connect. Let's what, what? Let's talk on Instagram. Let me check out your Instagram page and see what you're doing. Let's let's figure it out. Um, I, I'll tell you this because I think you'll find it uh, quite interesting. I'm working with the guys that I interviewed that I was just talking about um, for New Musical Monday. They wrote a musical called it's called Gay Card, and it's about this kid that came out in high school, had quite a difficult experience, but now he's going to college and his friends at college don't think he's cool enough to be gay. So they take his okay. gay card away. And he has to, then the show's about him working to get his gay card back. Really that fun. That is really so cool. Fun and, you know, exciting, really great music. But there is a group of Brazilian theater artists who have been mucking around with the, the songs and the scripts and stuff. Um, and I'm going to be talking with them and the creators of the musical to kind of maybe come together and create something um, strictly Portuguese mm. uh, for Pride Month, which the US and Brazil share, which would okay. be, so I'm really excited. Um, there's nothing set in stone. We're gonna sit down here soon and chat it out and come up with something. And I think it's gonna be really fantastic. And oh, to have a foreign language, something mm. or production on, on the page. Uh, will really help with us trying to connect the world and everything so yeah and I'm really glad that you said that because I guess with COVID and everything I think representation has taken a front seat whereas before it was take it was much more of an afterthought or like you know one article that I read like a year or so ago was you know every community theater or production team will be like okay the, this is the token cultural um, production that we're putting on um, and it's always hairspray you know, uh, the Vietnam one, what's that one called? Miss Saigon, stuff like that. So um, it's really good that over the last 12 months, we've had that moment in like that break um, where it's like, well, are we actually doing the best job in telling these stories, in representing people, in allowing different types of people to come in and, and be the love interest or, you know, be the lead role? Like, does it always have to be this archetype or this specific subset of people? And I think with COVID, those conversations happened because we weren't so distracted with just putting on a production and, and going with what we have. And um, 
I'm very thankful for that because, you know, like it's, it's, it's definitely opened up a different world and different opportunities for a lot of people um, to come on. I mean, you know, the world is a big place. So let's represent it as best as we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited about this one because it'll be the first time, you know, I've done, I've done events in the past where we've done like story representation about, you know, folk, uh, spooky folklores or, or Christmas traditions from different countries, but it was all done in English. So I'm excited to kind of have this full on uh, Portuguese production. I don't know what it's going to be. I want it to be something. It may be simple. We may make an elaborate, who knows? Mm -hmm. I'm just very excited to kind of sit down with them and discuss it. It's just these snowballing connections that I've been able to do and make over this past year that have just, it's just been so much fun and so awesome to learn about, you know, because not every country does theater the same, you know, there's little traditions that, you know, every different country has, and it's been so amazing to be able to navigate that and dig deep in and and just talk. And I'm taking webinars left and right. I'm doing, you know, it's just been, and, and thanks to COVID for some things, you know, Mm. it did really open up a lot of, of a lot of things and made us really all think a little bit more, you know, outside the box to what we normally would. And it's, I think that it has been beneficial in ways. It's not, I mean, it's not good at all <laughs> by any means, but you know, we've, we've, there are some benefits we will take from it that we can all be grateful for in the future. Yeah. I just, I love the idea that people have come to terms with the fact that things don't have to be expensive. Things don't have to be like, huge productions sometimes even the things that are in it's the purest and raw form is entertaining and and beautiful so it's really opening up a a bigger market and a bigger you know creative space for a lot of people which is which i'm very grateful for because um i mean we, we might get to see productions that you know or things that are happening in in countries that we may never have heard of or or things like that so it's um it's it's definitely an eye-opener. And can I tell you another thing that I think you'll appreciate is I've been fortunate enough to represent or showcase countries, and it's all English. They're all speaking English, but I've done quite a f- few Asian uh, productions and, and events on my pages and stuff. And I think that it's really great for people to see people like them mm. in roles that you wouldn't normally see. You know what I mean? Because like you're not going to see some, an, an Asian, an Asian person is going to play most of the time an Asian role in a show in, yeah. in a Western show, but let's put an English production with a bunch of English speaking Asian people together. And you're going to see Asians in all these different kinds of roles that you normally yeah. want. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I think that's great. And I like yeah. to be the person that, that showcases that. And, and yeah, and I love that, it. And I just think it's so great. I've had so much fun um, yeah. over the past few uh, past year navigating all of this. Um, I, I'm going to ask, I've asked both you and Elisa this question, um, and it's based on, you know, what digitally or live have you seen over the past year that, you know, is worth mentioning. And I want to, I want to say mine because I really think it's worth mentioning. I don't yeah. know if it's available anymore, but it kind of touches on the fact that you had said about it not needing to be expensive. You've got the Auckland theater company in New Zealand, one of the bigger, one of the biggest, uh, theater companies in, in the whole country, I believe. Um, and they did that Anton Chekhov's The Seagull, modern mm-hmm. day, all on Zoom and everything. And it was so simple. I mean, they did do a bit of graphics with like 
computer messaging and stuff on the front to like do the titles and the cap or the credits and everything, which probably really didn't take a person who knows what they're yeah. doing that long to do that. And it was just simple. It was elegant. It was episodical because they, they broke it into episodes, which was really great because it was like, you were kind of watching a TV show, but it was this cool. like ancient art, you know, ancient piece. Yeah. It was, and I just thought it was fantastic. And that'll be my number one COVID production yeah well it's interesting that you say that because like you know in in my culture telenovelas are very popular because of the simple episodic you know drama and things and you wonder like theater has quite some dramatic moments that you know it, for for a production that's two and a half hours long you could really drag that out into like a webinar or something like that well, and just look at look at what was just released on on disney plus you know the Zack snyder's cut of the the yeah. Justice League, right? They did that the same way. It was cut. I I think that it was just easy that they could cut it up like that. But the way that yeah. they released it like that, it made it easier to watch because it wasn't as daunting as watching a five-hour uh, movie. Yes. You got to watch it in an episode. So yeah. I really think it's kind of a great way. Uh, yeah, I, th I think we consume we consume art, media, and things like that in small chunks, and we binge it. So we like to just kind of. Whereas I think theatre can be quite intimidating for. Excuse me, for a lot of people, because the sitting down, you know, through Lay Miz, for example, could right, be right. way too long um, right. for someone who's not exposed to that theatre world. So I think it's definitely <laughs> opening up um, to different people that says, oh, it doesn't have to just be all sit and park and sit and pay attention and, and be quiet for this long. Like we can do it creatively, I mean, with obviously copyright and, and, and permission and things like that. Um, so that people are more inspired to try um, to go to the theater and support right. our, our beautiful theater companies that, you know, are struggling at the moment. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's what we need to do. We need to just like continue just being a support. Like um, I work with a company in Hong Kong. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a lot of expats that run it, um, but they've did a, a, like a series that happened through COVID where they did like a call out for, short plays that can be done over zoom all across the world and they picked them and they did them in like weekly things none of them connected or anything but they just recently released it's a prequel spin-off of one of them so okay. the, the 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 one that they had initially done was this couple at the end of uh one year lockdown in hong kong they've been stuck in their apartment for one year yeah. the new series that they've created is the start of that lockdown up to the one year and uh, I mean, how freaking cool is that right yeah you create this series of just one-off little plays just to keep chugging and keep going but then let's take one of them and let's like prequel it with like a mini yeah. it's like that's just cool yeah that's just cool love it why don't why why like give why me not? Give, like let, let me give you my money like why are we not why is not more people doing stuff like this i just yeah. think it's absolutely great and i want to yeah. be the one to be like in on it and explore it and and, and show it to the world and everything. So that's really yeah. what I've kind of tried to do. Well, you know, you got, you, you're the one that started it all for me. So like, I was, I'm not a person to what, like watch bootleg copies on right. YouTube or whatever. I just don't, I don't feel it. But because you started this, you kind of, you know, were driving this kind of, um, and then obviously other people in theater companies said, well, we have to do something and, and kind of continued. Um, it made my brain kind of switch over. So I've watched punk shows that are live um, and, you know, comedy 
that's live, which I've never done before because I just, I'd like the, the, to be live and present, but because that's what it was, that's what it is. That's what you get. And you just, you know, we, we had theater, like me and my husband would do like screenings. We, we sat in the car one day because of the time zones in the States were all over the place. And we really wanted to see our friends in their band. Um, and we were just in the car park watching like in between events and things like that. Like it's, it's a little bit more flexible. And the fact that sometimes it's on for the next 24, 48 hours, like you don't have to be present, present. You can watch it a little bit later. So that's, that's also really helpful. So it kind of fits in with a lot of people's hectic lives as well. So I think it will continue. I'm hoping it will continue um, because it just gives more flexibility to the audience, which is, which is never done before. So it's, it's quite good. Well, that's like with, with, with Thornhill Theatre Space, I, a lot of the stuff that I have done, a good majority of it's still available. So it's really nice yeah. to resurface it. Like for World Theatre Day, I resurfaced the playlists and I made fun little digital tickets that people could use and stuff like that. So it's really great to have that library of stuff. Yeah. You can kind of resurface and get reshown again. And yeah. having the opportunity is really great, which is so exciting. You know, that's the purpose of sitting down with you and Elisa to talk the past year and everything is we're going to get the opportunity to re-see the, the initial Holder uh, couch readings that kind of launched everything. So that's exciting. Well, I'm, I'm pumped for the Portuguese one. Are you going to do like subtitles? So that, I mean, I can understand some Portuguese, but I won't be able to. Well, it's nice because the creators, they were telling me in the interview the other day, they didn't do any of the translating. These guys took the English text themselves and translated it into the Portuguese. Oh. And it's just fantastic. So awesome. I'm so excited to see what, what comes of it, what we can do. I just want to have a stellar killer uh, yeah. something event yeah. to celebrate Pride Month. So I think that that's, I think that's yeah, a, I think a pretty, good, pretty good route to go down. So um, yeah. I'm excited about that. So, all right. So Lisa, so over the, the, you know, the past year, everywhere kind of around the world has been on different levels of, you know, what can we do? What can we not do? How can we create our art and how can't we create our art? Yeah. What is it that you've been able to do in the situation that you've been in to really, you know, keep creating and keep practicing the art that you Yeah. Have? I mean, look, our access to direct theatre was obviously, you know, decreased significantly. Um, I kind of tried to keep it alive by, like, watching whatever I could online, bootlegs that you could find. You know, the Hamilton drop on Disney Plus for, for Australia was huge and really invoked that little spark all over again. Um, I was fortunate enough to know that I'd have a production at the end of it um, or there was still, like, a production that was coming. You know, we, it was just postponed indefinitely at that point. So I just kind of kept kept going with those songs that I was working on and kept going on my script that way. I mean, it turns it into a long, laborious process when you don't have a date that you're working towards, but that's how it kind of stayed alive for me. Um, and, of course, doing the couch readings was fantastic. And, you know, even, like, watching your World Theatre Day, all of your posts and everything really kept it alive because at the end of the day, save for the big, big companies that are doing all the promoting, there's not a lot of social media presence, you know, or engagement so much from theatre companies. It's more so this is what we've got coming up, buy tickets to it, because that's the main sell. Whereas will there be a shift now in interaction from companies given COVID? I don't know, but like, that's what I found. Anything that was kind of interactive 
kept it kind of alive. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's what it come down to, you know, it's been a year of just thinking outside the box, figuring out what we could use with, you know, what we had present for us to do. And, um, yeah. you know, there are people zoom, you had people doing, you know, interactive theatrical things on, um, on WhatsApp and things like that. So it's been so yeah. fun over the past year to kind of really see what everyone's been doing to kind of keep creating. And that, that's, right. that's all we really want to continue doing, you know? Exactly. I think at one point, um, it, and you know, I mean, everyone does this with their friends kind of, but um, I had my on-stage husband messaging me just random lines and it was my job to on the spot quickly respond and get the scene going right. backwards and forwards, right. just in text messages. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it was great. That's something that we probably otherwise wouldn't have done without a, a chunk of a period of separation. But yeah, no, it's been beautiful. It's a way to keep it fresh and keep it going. I think that's brilliant. I think that's... Yeah. I mean, why not... It's even so have, good. Yeah, but why not even try and you know, make that part of a rehearsal process. What, you know, COVID out of the picture. It's, it's a fun little exactly. It's really, honestly, yeah. It, it, oh, to be honest, we still kind of do it these days. I'll get a little message from him and it'll either be like, you know, are, are we rehearsing or something like that or great work last night or it'll be a random line. I'm just like, oh, sugar, let's, let's quickly smash out the rest of it. It's a really fun little process. It's a, a little fun game. I mean, you do it with your friends, like if you just think of a random movie line or a random line from a movie, like how many times, like, you know, do you text someone, the monkey's his uncle, and they're like, what? Mm. Yeah, Lion King. Yep. <laughs> All right. So tell me, past year, I know that things have been a bit different at times in Australia. What have you seen um, live or online? in the past year that, you know, comes to the top of your mind? What is, what, what have you seen? What have you watched? I've seen a couple of things, actually. I mean, look, the headline was Hamilton getting dropped on Disney+. Plus. Right. It was obviously very, very well marketed and obviously very, <laughs> very well timed given that the premiere was coming up to Sydney, um, just to give everyone a little bit of a heads up of what was happening. So that was great. Got really into that. Um, in the same respect, as soon as theatres and, um, you know, restaurants and all that kind of stuff started opening last year, I went and saw a few live jazz bands, which was fantastic. And the Darlo at Darlinghurst, um, run by the Darlinghurst Theatre Company, put on like this um, Wednesday night summer sessions, which, you know, had comedians and it had um, a live jazz band as well. So it was like theatre, uh, it was like, sorry, it was like jazz and comedy all in one. So I did a few of those nights, which was fantastic. I mean, look, it was all socially distanced. You've got to check in, whatever. But small things like that were just fantastic. I mean, also fortunately enough, in the last five or so months, I've been able to go back to rehearsals myself, um, you know, getting, getting ready for our production, which has been great. Um, and then I even went back to an old company that I used to work with and helped them with their bump in. So I, I really it. feel like it's time. Yeah, I did the other day. Holroyd. I went with Holroyd. uh, to Holroyd's, yeah, to the Wizard of Oz bump in. Yes, yes. Yeah, I just thought it'd be really nice just to touch base with some theatre friends from, you know, a little while ago. Absolutely. Um, but I think the last year has been more of a preparation 
I think everyone's noticed that it was missing. I think everyone kind of then had the opportunity to develop a little bit more of a desire for it coming back. And I think it's just about to launch off like everywhere, any kind of theatre production that's on at the moment just seems like the absolute best thing to do. Um, I've also got tickets to La Traviata, which is coming up. I'm going in the next couple of weeks. It's on in on like, you know, Sydney Harbour, which will be beautiful. So things like that. I think we've had like really beautiful downtime kind of anticipatory kind of time in society. And I think the arts are about to explode. I would, I think that that would be one of the most fantastic things to come out of this is this like explosion from the arts. Now let me ask you that, that uh, what you had just mentioned that you had tickets to, is that part of the, like the yearly Sydney on the Harbour Opera series? Yes, uh, yeah. I have always wanted to, they did West Side Story there one year and I was like, oh, I need to see that. Yeah, they do some <laughs> brilliant stuff on that Harbour series that they do, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, Perfect very way to kind of open things up because it's an outdoor production. You can do your distancing. It's not indoors, you know what I mean? So it is a really great way to, yeah. to start opening things back up again. That That's fantastic. I. I'm jealous that you Yeah, know. exactly. And it's kicking off, I think it's kicking off the opera season and everything right. for um, everyone in Sydney. Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. That is so great. Um, so like, let's just, you know, jump back to, uh, to, to the couch readings, you know, because it was, it, was, it was just this funny idea that I had, you know, and it was something that I was trying to take off this year. And it was, I just yeah. wanted to, kind of really keep going yeah absolutely i think it was such a fun experience i mean look there's so much kind of uh, it depends on what kind of person you are what kind of thespian you are what kind of actor you are um you can either be really good at your craft and quite nervous behind the scenes or you can you know diva it up and just be excellent from the word go um you know find confidence in every kind of aspect I'm not kind of like that. I'm more of a, you know, I'd rather polish something before I show everyone. Um, And that was kind of a really good opportunity for me to step out of my comfort zone. Um, It's so, so frequently, um, like, you know, cousins, family members will say, why don't you sing, just sing, like at a random dinner or sing at a wedding or sing it. And it's kind of like, hang on, hang on. I, 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 that's out of my comfort zone because I'm not prepared. And if I give you some, you know, piece of my art or, you know, something like that. If I show you my talent, I want it to be completely perfected before you have the opportunity to judge it. Um, so that, uh, the couch readings really pushed me out of my comfort zone. I mean, albeit having the screen there is kind of comforting, but it was live. It was raw. It was uncut. And that, that was really wonderful. And I kind of thought to myself in that moment, you've got a lot of training there's nothing to worry about. I think, I think by, by halfway through or by the second couch reading or by the time we'd got through the technical glitch of the first one, right. I think all I was actually worried about was whether or not I could read quickly enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, well, because there was, was points there, there was points that we had gotten to in, in that rehearsal where you would get yourself into a really good rhythm. Yeah. Let's now we need to really figure out where I can take my pauses and, and breathe. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, and 
I mean, what I what I hope the audience took from it, and I, what I hope everyone takes from it, if you go back and have a look at it, is it's the real initial stages of developing an art. It's kind of like if you were to go to a gallery and you know you saw one of Monet's sketches, or if you saw just a preliminary stage of an artwork, and you know what the end piece is going to be. Lots of people have seen theatre, lots of people have seen professional theatre. We know what the end piece is meant to look like, but for the audience to experience that journey with us and to have them come with us at the very beginning, it's an incredible, it's an incredible experience that a lot of people have. Um, I think it may, it could even inspire people to say, hey, hang on, I can do it, if that's the initial stages. I can I can read I can put some inflections on different parts of phrases you know um, so hopefully it does you know bring people almost out to say hey I can do something like that too because at the end of the day every art every craft has a training period if you're born with it completely naturally then that's great good on you but everyone can learn how to do everything <laughs> I'm telling you right now yeah everyone can learn how to how to act and everyone can learn how to do it and hopefully everyone's saying hey this doesn't actually start out perfect it starts out quite raw hopefully that you know maybe draws people in to say hey that would be fun something to learn honestly that's what I wanted from it I wanted everything to be raw I wanted to be fresh I wanted to be ready to be heard for the first time and and all this yeah. and you know what let me also tell you <clears throat> It was also very out of my comfort zone as well. It was also, you know, me throwing myself out there as like this host on this live stream. It was also just, I, I did some preparation and I put a lot of thought into it, but me like throwing myself out there on some like live stream Facebook thing was, was very out of my comfort zone. But you want to know what? Yeah. So very cool that first reading that we had, and it was probably one of the most engaged readings of the whole series. We had people yeah. commenting on it throughout the whole reading. We were able to take those comments and throw them up on the screen and talk about them in the discussion afterwards. It was just such a, it couldn't have been a better first episode for yeah. coming from someone who really didn't know what, what to expect from it. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Look, I think engagement wise, it was wonderful too. I'd kind of hope that that kind of engagement doesn't taper off. Uh, I mean, as all the thespians kind of get back to rehearsals or get back into the, the swing of rehearsing for an audition or something like that, we've got to keep these little kind of bursts of theatre alive, these kind of interactive ones, keep it alive, keep it accessible. I mean, one of my hugest or one of my major passions is community theatre and the accessibility of community theatre to the community. And, you know, it's that opportunity, you know, for people of a lower socioeconomic status to put their kids into a production, kids that want to do singing and dancing and acting, parents that can't afford, you know, professional tutoring. Um, or extracurricular activities like that, you know, it gives them an opportunity to experience theatre in its most, almost, most full-on, you know, experience. So they get to experience theatre firsthand. 
they have professional coaches, they have professional choreographers, musical directors, directors, and they learn it firsthand. And that kind of accessibility isn't as commonly known or acknowledged as we would hope. Um, I, I think community theatre is an absolute, yeah, it's, an, it's a critical fibre to the tapestry of society you know it's community arts it's it's all kind of kind like you know arts and exploration and everything but making it accessible to everyone in the community and not just those people you know who have been fortunate enough to have um you know tutor tutoring their whole lives um so i think it's accessibility is key what you've done has also opened it up to so many people right. rural that don't you know rural people people who otherwise wouldn't have thought or don't have the confidence to say i'd like to go get lessons or i'd like to join a theater company small things like that crucial to society i mean if it wasn't for i had a really decent drama program in my small little high school and we had a little community theater and if it wasn't for them i wouldn't be able to do what i do right now you know i wouldn't have went off and got a degree in it or any of that because that yeah. was the foundation. Like I wanted to do something completely different with my life. And the first thing, I mean, the second I stood on the stage for that first rehearsal, my freshman year of high school, I was like, no, this is it. This is what I'm doing. So it is, it's yeah. a crucial, crucial part. Oh. And, and just continuing to make it as accessible as possible by any means to anybody who needs it to be accessible to. Yeah, love that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's my one takeaway is the accessibility. Like, it's it's draws so much passion from me. <laughs> Great. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, Elisa, go tell us everything we need to know about beautiful. <sighs> well, okay, so I'm currently performing in beautiful with the blackout theater company um we will be going on from the 7th to the 16th of may at the pioneer theater in castle hill um this production is spectacular and i don't just say that because i'm in it the cast has worked so hard um majority of the leads cast and the featured ensemble have actually carried over the production was originally meant to be put on by Hornsby Musical Society, but because of the COVID challenges and logistical challenges with their theatre, they weren't able to carry it any longer. Um, so the leads and the featured ensemble have been with the production for 18 months. Um, so this has just been a hugely affected their craft. Everything is all and it's just going to be incredible. I, I have been fortunate enough to have been cast as Carol King. And it's been a journey that I expected, I expected to go on a journey with Carol when I researched the role and auditioned for the role. But what I didn't expect was the profound humility that I have gained in exploring the role. Um, Carol King's experience and her effect on the whole music industry, you know, from the 60s to now has just been profound. And um, I'm so humbled to be giving, hopefully giving the character as much depth as she deserves. 
and I know that each one of the leads that are also participating in it have really given each of their characters so much time, so much effort and quite a diligence in making sure that we're representing the characters because they are real life people. It's not, they're not just fictional characters. It's, we've all really given each character the time, the effort and the research to hopefully do it justice. So aside from that, I can't play the piano at all. So I'm sorry, Carol, I have tried, but it's quite tricky. Um, so aside from that, I won't be playing the piano. I'll be falsely playing the piano, but I can't wait to put on stage. So tickets, I think we might, um, we might post a link to the tickets somewhere on Ryan's theatre page. Um, so jump on board and get tickets before they all fill out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll just make sure that we have everything that we need to, links and everything um, for all of our Australian viewers out there that, uh, and just make sure that we're making sure everybody knows what's going on. Um, I do have to say that, uh, I do have to say, I'm almost ready for you to start performing it and for it to close because I have been way too jealous for about a year now because I know that I can't see it. So, but I'm just so excited that it's being able to oh. get the stage and get up. You guys have been working so hard for so long and there's been so much anticipation behind it. And it's yeah. time for you guys to get out there and do it. Thank you, thank you so much. I mean, we started with five shows. We started at a one weekend run. Look, most of, so many tickets sold out within the first week of tickets opening that we opened up the second week. And now we've sold out a midweek show as well. So we've gone from five shows to 10 shows and we've got two sold out shows already with a month to go. And it's truly spectacular. I'm so blessed to be a part of it. Amazing. And that's what all that anticipation did. You know, there was, <laughs> you know, if you can take one positive thing and I'm pretty sure that I was doing the same thing when I was talking to Fernanda, I was trying to like bring the positives out of COVID, but look at what the anticipation of, all these rescheduling and company shifts and everything like that. Look what, look yeah. what it did. You're selling out, you're getting great audiences and just imagine that's how exactly fun right. that's going to be to have those full audiences that are just so excited and ready to see the show. That's just amazing. Oh, I'm ready for the bows. I'm just ready for the bows. Opening the opening scene and the bows. That's, that's what I'm living for right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Well, everybody just make sure that you're checking out all the links that we have and um, head on over and learn everything you need to, where you need to go, buy your tickets and all that. And just don't miss it because clearly it's something everybody wants to see. <laughs> That's great. Oh, Ryan, thank you so much. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you. On behalf of myself, Fernanda and Elisa, I would like to thank you for joining us today as we commemorate our one year anniversary. As the Artistic Director of Thornhill Theatre Space, I would just like to take this opportunity to thank everybody who has supported us over the past year. We have really tried to continue to keep theatre alive and connect the world through telling stories. Continue to keep following us. We, we plan to have a lot of fun and exciting things in the future. So uh, check us out, keep following us, and we thank you again for all your support.